1: Hello everyone and welcome to the July 16th, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a roto radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair, and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going?
2: It's going well, Blair. Hard to believe that uh, summer's to coming, you know, we're in the middle of summer, but we're getting close to the start of the season. Training camps begin soon, so we'll have more news, and we can make more actionable uh, statements going forward. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, the uh, you know, the football season is quickly approaching. It's uh, crazy how how fast the summer is going by. But uh, yeah, excited to start talking more actual NFL news for sure. Uh, I'm also excited about our guest today. Joining us today on the show is Davis Maddock. Davis is a Rotoviz contributor emeritus and a contributor to RotoWire. He currently hosts the TakeCast and is one of the hosts for the SwolCast on RotoGrinders. You can follow him on Twitter at Davis Davis, thanks for joining us. How are you?
3: Can't can't wait! So excited to be back uh, on Rotoviz Radio. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Absolutely, yeah. We definitely wanted to get you on, get your takes on some of these off-season news items. Uh, it's kind of a Slow time in the NFL, but, uh, you know, time when all of the sharp fantasy players can really get an edge. So, uh, yeah, let's jump right in. First item up, TitansOnline.com's Jim Wyatt reports Corey Davis was one of the stars of Titans spring practices. Per Wyatt, Davis looked smooth during the offseason, snatching the ball out of the air with ease in traffic and made some spectacular catches. So, Davis, what kind of step forward are you expecting Corey Davis to have this season? And how do you see the targets in this receiving core
3: shaking out? For me, the high-end expectations for Corey Davis are all reliant on the sort of offense that the Titans run and the true talent level of Marcus Mariota. Uh, I have talked about this kind of a lot in the last couple months on Twitter and on podcasts, thinking that you know quarterback talent is definitely not black and white and a lot of it does come down to coaching and the same is definitely true with results for wide receivers as well like in terms of fantasy results a lot of it's going to come down to being deployed in a proper way I am like a Corey Davis believer I do think that he's really talented I definitely lost a lot of money continually rostering him uh, on DraftKings last year just you know once he kind of cracked that starting lineup, I was just, I was just ready for him to, to be like, you know, the wide receiver 14 and it didn't really happen. But I I do think that if Corey Davis does propel himself, you know, to a clear top wide receiver status, Rashard Matthews is like drawing dead to be a wide receiver too, because Matthews is sort of uh, an all opportunity sort of wide receiver uh, in the sense that I don't, I don't necessarily buy the argument that targets in and of themselves are an indicator of quality. And oftentimes Matthews has just been the guy who's where he's supposed to be in that offense and is, you know, a quality possession wide receiver, but he's doesn't have the game breaking ability of guys like Julian Edelman or Jarvis or, you know, the insane target load of Jarvis Landry. So I kind of think that if Corey Davis has, you know, 142 targets, 1200 yards and that kind of locks Rashard Matthews into that wide receiver three, four range for me.
2: And out of curiosity, I know you mentioned that it sort of comes down to dictates to how these guys are going to be deployed. And what are your thoughts on Delaney Walker this season? And do you think he's uh, going to see increased competition with Johnny Smith or should we expect more two tight end sets from this uh, coaching st- given the coaching change over in uh, Tennessee?
3: So this is just like a core tenant of my fantasy football philosophy, but just, if you, if you reach a certain age, 33, 34, I'm basically just not drafting you anymore. And I definitely will take L's on that. Like, you know, I've taken I've taken losses on Fitzgerald several times. Uh, Walker has been you know, he's really had this resurgence with with the Titans as like this, like great sort of field stretching tight end in his 30s. Ben Watson has been great for the Saints, but just in general you don't see the cliff until you're already off of it. Like, would you, would you be truly shocked if I told you that Walker had an injury plague season and, you know, he hurt his hamstring and never really got back healthy and only had 65 targets this year? Certainly, certainly you would be less surprised by that than if I told you that Jonu Smith couldn't get healthy all year. And so... My expectations for Walker are similar to what he did last year, but I'm not overly high on him as a draft pick just because I think the physical downside is very real.
1: I would tend to agree with that and, you know, avoid uh, Walker just at his age. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't really like drafting players who, once they get beyond a certain age, um, I mean, tight end is the one position where you kind of have a lot of these outliers like Antonio Gates and uh, Jason Witten. Uh, you know, still producing at a high level, or, you know, at at least a fantasy-relevant level, uh, well past, you know, 33, 34, whatever. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's certainly possible Walker could, could, uh, repeat his success from last season. What is John o. Smith's ADP at this point? I feel like he's almost forgotten, but, uh, if, uh, something did happen to Walker, you know, he could be a really excellent value. Um... You know, if Corey Davis does take a step forward, if Matthew still gets his targets, I don't know if there would be enough volume for Smith to have an impact without an injury to Walker. But uh, does he interest either of you, sort of at the end of draft?
3: Not for me. I I just don't see a ton of I don't see a ton of upside because I think rather than being role driven, I think Walker's targets in Tennessee have been talent-driven like he he just rises above sort of the rotational wide receiver pieces they've had but i don't i don't have such a high opinion of smith that i think if put in that role he would he would earn a similar amount of targets it's certainly possible but not probable for me
2: speaking thursday bears right card kai long said that coaching staff has taken the training wheels off michael trubisky davis it sounds like the new bears head coach matt nagy is looking to open up the offense in 2018. What do you expect the 2018 Bears' offense to look like, and where have you been taking Mitchell Trubisky this offseason?
3: So if Matt Nagy sort of does what is expected of him, like what all of the puff pieces expect him to do, I think the Bears' offense is going to look really good because they have a lot of talented players at different positions. Um, You know, Tariq Cohen is a really valuable player for an offense to have if it if he is truly able to run slot wide receiver routes i think that moving players around the formation and deploying them in different roles is definitely uh, an underutilized weapon that offenses have that they they just they find it hard to optimize that usage because a lot of the times what they'll do is they'll use guys like Dexter McCluster, you know, sort of famously in Kansas City, Tavon Austin, much less famously in uh, Los Angeles. They they really only use them kind of on jet sweeps, which are like this horribly inefficient play, um, you know, reverses, generally not that efficient. But, but actually having co- Cohen become the assignment of multiple defensive players really causes a lot of confusion, and that's something Nagy did well in Kansas, Kansas. they signed Trey Burton, who also gives them, you know, he can play in line or he can play in the slot. Uh, they signed Alan Robinson, who if he comes back healthy, like that's a that's a real NFL wide receiver. And they drafted Anthony Miller, who, who I, you know, I can't pretend to have a gigantic opinion about, but a lot of a lot of more intelligent people than me seem to think that he is able to he's going to be able to at least fill an NFL role kind of immediately. So my guess would be is that they'll actually kind of look a lot like the Chiefs last season, but with, uh, you know, a little bit less downfield action, because that's not as much Trubisky's game, but definitely with some quarterback rushing, which uh, is huge in fantasy. Like, obviously, that's kind of what we play for. And, uh, you know, a lot of pre-snap movement, uh, more tight end targets than I think people realize. Like, Trey Burton is being drafted highly, but if you pay a tight end, and your offense relies on the tight end, as Nagy did oftentimes in Kansas City. I, I think that like a tight end three finish for Burton is is totally in play. So so that my guess would be kind of, uh, you know, a West Coast offense with uh, a good amount of RPO stuff and, you know, kind of heavy tight end and slot usage. And as Trubisky goes, I'm taking him as my first quarterback. And a lot of these play draft drafts, like I'm taking him 10th, 11th, 12th round, kind of no problem is like my first guy and pairing him with, uh, you know, a low ceiling guy like Eli Manning or Andy Dalton.
1: I like that move. I was really happy getting Trubisky in like the, you know, I don't know, the 15th round earlier in the offseason. And as his price has gone up, it's become a little harder, but he definitely has that upside. Uh, You know, you make a good point about uh, Nagy possibly using the tight end more than the Bears did last season. Uh, Trey Burton having a role, he's another player I haven't been paying a lot of attention to Um, You know, the downfield uh, The downfield sort of game is something we wouldn't have said Was really Alex Smith's sort of game either Uh, But after seeing what he did in Kansas City last year You know, it kind of uh, has you rethinking I don't know, really what you can sort of expect To get out of these quarterbacks Um, It's possible Trubisky It's certainly
3: certainly, uh, not an arm talent Right, like I think mm-hmm. any quarterback really can throw at least a semi-accurate ball forty yards down the field. Like that, like most college quarterbacks can do that. It's just a question of can the wide receivers get open and how accurate is that ball? And really, I think more so than anything in Kansas City the last two years, it was driven by the talent of the players because Tyreek Hale and Travis Kelsey are just so good and have such a large advantage, whether it be size or speed, on the defenders that that it just would have been such inoptimal play calling that I don't think Nagy had a choice. And I think Alex Smith had the ability to to deliver those throws because there was so much separation by both Kelsey and Hill. And uh, I do like Allen Robinson. Uh, I do like Miller's kind of, from what I understand, and I definitely like Burton, but I don't think that there are Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So that's where the difference will be for me.
2: One of the things this uh, discussion has made me realize is that I don't have enough of, Trey Burton, which is um, starting to suddenly overcome with regret here. Um, to your point a little bit, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I kind of think that uh, a dot here belongs to the receiver, and Alan Robinson seems to run a lot more of his routes than that. In the you know more mid mid range routes, I'd say um, don't have his a dot off over here. But I would say that you're requiring a lot of yak stuff in terms of him if you're looking for that spa- splash plays, which he's capable of doing as we saw in 2015, but. It's gonna be a fairly exciting offense. And as you said, Davis, uh, just with Nagy putting these guys in the position to succeed and making sure that they he's maximizing what Trubisky can do well and minimizing his mistakes, it sounds like it's gonna be an interesting and exciting season for Bears fans, despite how difficult their division is expected to be.
3: I should I should also point out that if if Nagy really does value that down, you know, the that nine route roll is really what I would call it. Uh, he could rotate Josh Bellamy and Taylor Gabriel on the opposite side of the field that Robinson is. And Bellamy Bellamy is like a decent enough player. Like I, He's totally like a replacement level player. But Gabriel has the long speed needed if, if Nagy truly does value that. I don't know if that would be the optimal way to deploy their roster, or their resources, but it certainly is an option with Gabriel on the roster.
1: That's a good point. A lot of people have been assuming Miller is going to take over that wide receiver two role but it's still kind of i don't know not sold that it's not going to be gabriel i don't know if there will be a lot of targets for whoever does end up getting that role but uh could be valuable for some splash plays some upside in best ball leagues
3: yeah and there is also like the uh the two percent chance that uh first round draft pick kevin white ends up being an nfl starter <laughs> I, I think i think it's I would I would certainly not bet on that, but it is something that could happen.
2: I will say I really like that Bellamy call because if you go back to 2016, he was the, uh, he, had, he had the fifth highest ADOT with uh, 17, uh, feeling only Sammy Coates, Roger Lewis, JJ Nelson, and Robbie Anderson. So I really, if you're looking for, you know, like you mentioned, the West Coast offense looking to maximize the mismatches on defense, uh, you know, broadly rotating in Bellamy with Gabriel, you know, with multiple Reads, I guess, would be the way to the best way to keep the defense honest. I suppose, for lack of a better word, what do you think?
3: Uh, That's also this is totally something that coaches don't do optimally and that fans don't realize. But you know, cornerbacks are a more limited resource than wide receivers, so they don't rotate the way that wide receivers do. But you could send Gabriel on a nine route, and if he gets winded, just next play automatically Bellamy subs in, and you can rotate those guys, and that creates a huge advantage. And I. I'm not going to claim to have watched enough Chiefs film to know how often guys were rotating opposite Hill or how often Hill himself was rotating, but I would be confident in saying that Nagy does seem to be the the kind of coach who who grasps those little elements of the game and would be fine deploying Bellamy and Gabriel in that similar A dot role combined. I, I would just say overall, though, not super high on either of them as a player and don't think that their fantasy stock will be that high but definitely that they that they would have the ability to elevate the fantasy stock of other players on that team through playing their role optimally.
1: All right, before we get into no shit shit, no, I want to take a moment to remind you that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com/podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium NFL content and it supports the pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the RotoViz radio channel on iTunes. Do that and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to a future episode to hear if you're the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Road of His writers and podcasters, email us at Rotovizradio at gmail.com and we'll get that set up. All right now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item up, Tim Twentyman of the Lions official website lists Amir Abdullah as a roster bubble candidate.
3: No shit gotta be, right? Like, how how does he survive?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think they brought in the guy at They seem to be content using Riddick as the change of pace in the draft on Johnson highlight. So let me flip the question to you, Davis. Uh, if Amir Abdullah is cut, are there any teams you you think he would make a good, you know, a, a solid RB2 uh, as a bench guy? Like, who should be putting their waiver claims on him if he hits the wire?
3: The Saskatchewan Rough Riders really need <laughs> a running back right now like I just I just think that Abdullah is like the most replacement level sort of guy ever he was like a good college player but not great he was he's been good for the Lions but not great I certainly don't ever recall watching a Lions game and saying you know this you know, the Vikings can't do anything to stop Amir Abdullah he, he's always been the least dynamic in the backfield he just Zenner is not the most reliable in terms of pass blocking and ball security Riddick not really best type cast in that RB1 role and I think that Legarrette Blunt kind of has this outsized reputation for his production on the field, but he's not likely to be cut, having been recruited there as a free agent. And so, yeah, I think Abdullah's gone, and I he certainly could wash up as the backup running back, you know, for the Bears, right? Like, because Benny Cunningham's not exactly a like-for-like replacement with uh, with Jordan Howard, but yeah, I mean, I could totally see Amir Abdullah becoming, you know a CFL player, which by the way is fine. The CFL is is a good product win, and I like it. I don't want people to think I'm slandering the CFL.
2: Gareth Slater of New Jersey Advanced Media expects the Jets to just use a committee approach at tight end this season.
3: Yeah, uh no shit. They I just I mean, I don't think that they have anyone that I would call a game-breaking talent at that position. Do do either of you guys have a different opinion of that?
1: No. <laughs>
2: Jordan like it is like mildly intriguing. But I mean, this entire offense will go how Darnold goes, and I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not targeting their wideouts and then sort of trying to find value at RB. And
3: their wideouts are, are I would say too. It's like I, I think every single one of these guys, down to probably Chad Hansen, I would say, like they probably have seven or eight guys I would consider to be talented wide receivers. Whereas I would, I don't think I had a positive grade on any of their tight ends. When they when they came out, So and Jenkins, if he was still on this team, I would project for like a huge role, but he's gone.
1: Quincy and what kind of has that same low A dot you see with a lot of tight ends. I bet they they probably use him in sort of the role you'd expect a tight end to be used in uh, if he you know comes back and has an impact. That's probably the way he does it.
3: Well, he even lined up in line sometimes, not last year, but two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Like they they they. So I could totally see him be basically becoming their de facto tight end.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah, he's been left for dead, I believe, in a lot of fantasy drafts. You can get him
1: very, very late. Jimmy Kempsky of Philly Voice suggested Mac Hollins could see a modest increase in opportunities this season.
3: Um, well, yeah, right? Because because Trey Burton was kind of that backup, tight end, H-back, slot wide receiver role behind Ertz. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that makes total sense to me that he would be in line for increased opportunities just because they vacated the, not even a ton of targets for Burton, but they vacated like a decent amount of playing time. So I could see Hollins just playing more often as a result of that.
2: Would you rather be targeting Hollins or Mike Wallace at the end of drafts?
3: I don't want to own I mean, how old is Matt Collins? I won't even I won't even pretend to know that. But I guess he, I would just guess he's like 24. So I'm going to say I would rather have him. Yeah. Yeah, I would rather have him than Mike Wallace, who basically doesn't exist to me. Mike Wallace was washed three years ago.
2: (laughs) Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle expects fourth-round wide receiver Kiki QT to compete with Braxton Miller for snaps as slot wide receiver.
3: Oh, I always forget the shit no for me just because I think Braxton is uh, a hashtag good football player. I think that guys who just have a sense for the game and who are good players find a way to stay on the field. And that's Braxton for me. I just think he understands the game well. I think he's reasonably athletic for the position, and uh, I don't think that—I I mean, certainly possible, but definitely—I would put that in the improbable category. Like I, I'm not—I'm not drafting Kiki Kuti with uh, the as the wide receiver ninety in the Scott Fishbowl, for example.
1: Golden Tate doesn't think his age should be held against him in contract negotiations.
3: Well, no shit, he thinks that, but obviously <laughs> it should be. Like, and they have guys who can play. TJ Jones uh, and Kenny Galladay, both younger players, both of them can play. Uh, Golden Tate has the least valuable role in terms of the passing game, the possession wide receiver game, because you can, like Danny Amendola signed for like $10 million. He can basically, like certainly not as good, but can fulfill the same role. And maybe this is maybe uh, an area of football that I don't have the best takes on. But I just I tend to not value those low A dot possession wide receivers as much as other people do.
2: It feels like those low A dot possession wideouts only uh, really provide reasonable value in PPR leagues and anything beyond that, you, they're fairly capped in terms of upside unless they find the end zone, and it's very difficult to do when you're not making massive splash
3: plays. Yeah, and they're they're never going to be at the top. Like like Golden Tate will just never be at the top of the list for red zone targets, especially now that. I think Galladay is just going to be like kind of an entrenched starter in Detroit. I just don't see it. And Marvin Jones is better at that position than him as well. New Jersey Advance Media's Matt Lombardo believes the Giants'
2: number three receiver job is Cody Latimer's to lose. Uh,
3: no shit. Uh, everyone else on this roster had an audition last year, and uh, they all blew it. They all sucked to to a T. Roger Lewis was bad. Travis Ra- Travis Rudolph was bad. Uh, Russell Shepard not really kind of. Uh, An NFL player at this point, kind of a practice squatter. I just I don't see anyone else on this roster outside of Odell and Sterling being worth. You know, like certainly no one has entrenched themselves. Latimer at least is an intriguing prospect, though he has not shown it at the NFL level at all. I think the the real the real answer is that Evan Ingram is the third wide receiver on this team.
1: The Charlotte Observer's Jordan Rodrigue predicts Christian McCaffrey's carry total won't go up by much.
3: Well, no shit. He's like he's little and he's better uh, as a wide receiver and they paid a a typical first and second down running back, like real guaranteed money. So I, yeah, no shit to me.
2: I know you mentioned you you were playing on uh, play draft and that's a half PPR site. Uh, Do you have many shares of McCaffrey or is he more of an avoid at that price? Uh,
3: I, if I had to look, I guess I had a couple, but I certainly don't like to draft him. Like even if AD, their ADPs are probably a round and a half off, but I, I prefer to have someone like J.H. Jai over him like 100%. According to Scott Smith of Buccaneers.com, Adam
2: Humphreys is well entrenched as the team's slot wide receiver.
3: That would be, uh, that would be uh, no shit to me just because Deshaun Jackson hasn't shown any ability to play in the slot, and Chris Godwin, who they would rather start, probably is not best as a slot wide receiver. So I think it's a situation where Humphreys will will play there, but I don't think his he, he certainly won't be third or fourth in line for targets to me.
1: Eli Manning said Sterling Shepard is, quote, primed for a big year.
3: Uh shit, no. I just don't think he's that good. And I, I think that a lot of the ADPs on the Giants players outside of Barkley and uh Beckham are are like wildly optimistic. Like I think Barkley and and Beckham will will both do fine for their ADPs I actually think Barkley kind of has an outside chance of being the top running back just because the volume will be so insane but uh I certainly don't see Sterling Shepard Evan Ingram whoever the third wide receiver happens to be for the Giants whether it be uh Roger Lewis or whether it be Cody Latimer I, I don't see either one of them having anything approximating like fantasy
2: usable numbers According to Mickey Spagnuolo of Cowboys.com,
3: tight end Joff
2: Swim worked with the first team during OTA the minicamp.
3: I don't even I don't even want to handicap this race. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no shit, but who cares? Like I just I just don't see the tight end in Dallas being fantasy viable unless somehow Rico Gathers convinces the team to uh to play him. He's the only one who has like the physical upside to be valuable in fantasy, I think.
1: Cardinals reporter Mike Jarecki expects Ricky Seals Jones to be the Cardinal's breakout offensive player in 2018.
3: That's a, that's a big old no shit for me. This is a dude who played wide receiver in college, transitioned to tight end, his first year in the NFL, a much more difficult position to play, uh, had a like and was good. He scored, he scored three touchdowns on, I think, like 23 targets or something like that, in like a, a total toilet shit offense in Arizona. Like, I think Ricky Seals-Jones might be, like, the most underdrafted player right now in the double-digit rounds. Like, it would not surprise me if by August 25th, Ricky Seals-Jones is going in, like, the ninth round. First Coast News considers T.J. Yeldon the clear-cut number two behind Leonard Fournette. Yeah, no shit. He is a good NFL player. Corey Grant was good on, like, 40 touches or something. But Yeldon uh, has good game speed. He's a good pass blocker. He proved to be much better than Fournette at catching passes. Uh, he was not horribly efficient in the starts that he got for the Jaguars last year, but I, I definitely think Yeldon is like clearly the number two, clearly going to be the pass catching back.
1: Eagles coach Doug Peterson said he can't say if Carson Wentz will be ready for Week
3: One. No shit, that uh, they won a Super Bowl without him. Nick Foles proved himself to be basically fine uh, as long as Doug Peterson and his staff were calling the plays. No reason to rush your franchise quarterback. Back if you think you can win a couple games with him on the bench. Dolphins' coach Adam Gase said Frank Gore's age is irrelevant. Um, shit, no. I mean, he's just like I can't, I, I can't buy Frank Gore any less. Like Kenyon Drake will be fine. Although it'll, if you do own him, it'll probably just be horribly annoying to see Frank Gore in there on the goal line. That's what I predict will happen. Is Gore will end up scoring like four touchdowns and not have any fantasy relevance himself, but just knock a huge chunk of drake ceiling off
1: Any interest in Kalen Balaj?
3: He's like an anti-athlete. Unless I'm unless I'm thinking of the wrong player, Ballage Ballage Bal- Bal- has like these just like the wo workout metrics, so I'm like never betting on guys like that.
1: So Balaj is actually you might be thinking of someone else. Uh
3: 44640 Okay, no. I I I'm wrong? Yeah.
1: He's like a good athlete but 4.3 yards per carry in college good athlete but bad actual running back
3: <laughs> i you know what, what's horrible about me is an, an analyst and a fantasy player is i'm so much more likely to bet on the guy but the 4 four forty and the sick broad jump and the good three cones than i am to, like to then to bet on the guy who was just super productive in college so maybe maybe i need to rethink that backfield situation since i didn't know those numbers
1: yeah <laughs> yeah he's not someone i really you know like as a prospect just uh I guess I'm the opposite. I like to go for the guys who are more productive, but there's an uncertainty about his outcomes, I guess that is intriguing, like he has a wide range of outcomes. so if something happens to Drake, he could come in and and uh really surprise people i guess surprise me anyway yeah
3: isn't the isn't the the biggest upside with him that Frank Gore gets hurt? just turns out to not be that that would be the upside, but i that would require Frank Gore to get hurt, which he seems to never do. <laughs> Let me tell you about our friends over at the Fantasy
2: Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget. Whether you like best ball, super flex, or classic managed leagues, there are drafted daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or live draft today, and if you like dynasty, well, the FFPC has almost 200 active dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. And here's the incredible thing. Not a single Dynasty League has folded in eight years. New Dynasty Leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Seriously, don't. Davis has been over here dropping choir takes for you, and you can actually take this and leverage this information for Redraft or Dynasty. Go to my MyFFPC and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football.
1: All right, news item number three. Over on com, Cam Meredith stated he hasn't experienced a setback during the recovery process. Although Meredith has been limited in team activities thus far, he hopes to be ready by training camp. So Davis, what kind of impact do you see Meredith making on this offense uh, and what role do you think he plays?
3: So I think he is in a really interesting situation because Meredith, to me, seems like someone who is kind of uniquely suited to fill in that old Marcus Colson role kind of that hybrid uh, flanker slot role, kind of, you know, nine, uh, nine yard a dot. But I am a little concerned that maybe he's just not as good as the other wide receivers on the roster, because he, he was good last year in kind of a weird situation. But I think the weird situation brought out what he was good at, which is like having having sure hands kind of running those 12 yard crossing patterns and stuff like that. So the issue there is Michael Thomas is clearly better. His target share is not going anywhere. Ted Ginn is going to be in the exact same role that he was in last year. So really Meredith is he's fighting for targets against uh, you know the running backs Alvin Kamara and you know they have six guys on the roster, some of whom could play, some of whom may not. But Tommy Lee Luke had a high opinion. I think he can play. Travin Dural is like going to be a good deep threat. He's an old LSU guy, kind of in that Devery Henderson sort of mold. And then Brandon Coleman is still going to have a role to play in the red zone. So I kind of think Meredith might like I I don't own a single share of Meredith, not because I don't believe in him as a player. I just am generally agnostic on the Saints guys outside of Kamara, Breeze, and Michael Thomas. Like I I just am not I'm just not big on any of those guys. I don't know. Am I am I off base with being
1: lukewarm on him yeah i pretty much agree with you the one guy you didn't mention who has me really intrigued is uh the rookie they just drafted in the third round traquan smith
3: yeah
1: traquan smith um yeah obviously coming from ucf you know the real national champions uh 33 percent dominator rating in college sub 4 540 um he's somebody who it's really intriguing we've seen rookies come in to this Saints offense and make an impact right away like uh, Michael Thomas did so I he's someone I'm getting at the end of drafts just kind of as a dart throw I have a few shares you know spread around uh but yeah he's kind of keeping me from really really going all in on Meredith I probably have drafted him a few times just kind of trying to diversify but I'm not really excited about about uh anyone I think in this offense other than Thomas and Kamara and maybe Traquan Smith, if I can get him at the right price?
2: Yeah, I mean, just remember that like the same sign Cam Meredith uh, back in April and then, you know, around the NFL draft, which is about six weeks later, they went out and drafted Traquan Smith in the third. And bear in mind, this was the same team that leveraged a lot of the future to go all in and draft Marcus Davenport. Uh, The window with Breeze is closing now and it's closing very, very fast. I don't think that Sean Payton is the kind of guy who's going to be Swarm to hierarchy. I think he's just going to play the guys who make sure that this team can win. And much like Davis said, outside of the three guys that he mentioned, who are Alvin Camaro, Michael Thomas, and Drew Brees, very difficult to project opportunity. And it's very difficult to know who's going to take over in week eight. If Smith comes in and absolutely smashes and he's Meredith's not the same guy, they're probably fine eating the contract. If they're able to make a deep run and possibly win one more Super Bowl before Brees hangs them up, or am I off base? I don't think that line of thinking is off base at all. Speaking of serious XM NFL radio, ESPN's Adam Schefter said he thinks it's possible Levy on Bell, uh, Bell sits out the first half of the year if he doesn't get a long term deal done. We're recording on Monday just before the deadline for Bell to get a long term deal. So by the time this airs we'll know whether Bell has a new contract. But Davis, assuming mm-hmm. Bell does indeed sit out the first half of the year or has to miss any time for any other reason, who's your favorite backup running back to own?
3: Jalen Samuels. I don't necessarily think he will fit right like I don't I definitely think it's like a two percent chance that he just comes in and does what D'Angelo Williams has done in the past, like just been a like for like sub. But Jalen Samuels is a really talented player who is productive in different roles uh, at North Carolina state. And I just am high on the talent. And I just think that he the most to gain from fantasy perspective, because right now he, his ADP is zero as in he's not like no one is taking him in in you know, play drafts really. And he would have to me, the most upside just because I don't think James Connor is going to step in and be great. And I definitely don't think Steven Ridley will, you know, kind of take any of the receiving work because that's just never been his game. So to me, Sa- Samuel seems like the one who has the upside.
1: I think I would agree with that. Samuel has kind of the same profile that, uh, D'Angelo Williams and even that Le'Veon Bell have these kind of big backs with really excellent agility that, uh, you know, pittsburgh has been able to use really effectively uh so i agree i think he's really intriguing uh they did draft or actually they didn't draft but they signed uh Jarvie and franklin after the draft who also has that exact same profile like uh he doesn't have i think samuel's pass catching upside uh but he was a productive running back at western michigan uh who also did really well in the three cone so it's like they're kind of trying to cover all their bases in case maybe they don't have Le'Veon Bell for that much longer, uh, trying to replicate his profile with a big high agility back or low agility rather. But um, yeah, all these guys are intriguing. I think Samuel probably has the most upside. Like you said, he was a a really good pass catcher and could probably excel in that role.
3: Yeah. I think all of that sounds about accurate. Even if uh,
2: Bell sits out, uh, would you think that more passes, do you think that the uh, Steelers move to a more pass-heavy offense? Out of curiosity, I mean, Bell does vacate about 100 targets if he's to this time. So, is this more of a net positive for AD or and Juju, or what do you think?
3: I would think like James Washington and Vance McDonald would probably each pick up like an extra 15 to 20 targets, and then the passing the passing targets for the running backs would just be like gross. Like it'll either be. Samuel gets like all the third down work and then Connor has like 25 targets. I, but I think a lot of this is like totally, it's like totally theoretical just because I don't think there's any way Bell actually sits out. Cause if this is about money, he's the highest paid at the position and he's going to give up a ton of money by not playing and definitely no guarantee that after sitting out that he would get paid. And, and he didn't look that good last year, right? Like he had, he had real problems with efficiency last year. The volume was fine but there were some games where the dude looked like Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Like <laughs> you know, so I, I don't actually know if, if I was him if I'd be wanting to give up the guaranteed in paycheck that I have for the next sixteen games.
1: Yeah, I would expect probably for a, a long term contract to be signed, but uh, you know, he's someone who has struggled with injury in the past, suspensions in the past. It's kind of uh he played fifteen games last season before in twenty sixteen only twelve. I don't know how many times he's even played a full season if if ever. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but probably a good idea to know who the backs in Pittsburgh are, even if even if we think Bell will sign a contract.
3: He definitely will get signed. even if it even if it's not the Steelers. Like John Gruden has a team. Like he'll pay a thirty two year old running back. He doesn't care. Someone will pay him.
1: All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Davis Maddock. You can follow him on Twitter at Davis Please remember to rate and review the Road of Is Radio channel on iTunes. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of his Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter, at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, slash podcast.
0: seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment to get amazing offers during the mercedes-benz summer event like the 2019 c-class sedan and glc suv the perfect recipes of driving performance plus you can enjoy six months of serious xm all access included the mercedes-benz summer event now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles offers end september 3rd mercedes-benz the best
1: or nothing You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book
0: leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbookins. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble book hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Tobaccoons are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.